we try to define goals as clearly as possible and we try to have goals that are shared by everyone. And those goals are created within Asana and they're being connected to the work that we do. So to us, it's indeed quite easy to see if people are working and you can really walk into a project and see what's happening. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, welcome back to the show. I am Jackie, your host, and today I am joined by a guest to talk a little bit more about a topic. Actually, there's two topics we discuss on the show that I really hammer home about on most of my podcast episodes and a lot of my social media content. And what I'm trying to do is bring in some experts in these areas so that you can learn how to best implement and utilize some of the tools that we talk about. And today we're talking all about Asana. And so I am joined by a power user of Asana. He's actually one of the biggest partners that Asana has. So if you use Asana, you can actually utilize a certified partner to help you implement it, answer questions and all of that jazz. And Bastian Seedman is one of them. He's one of the leading contributors on the Asana page, and he can help you get set up and really utilize it in the business. And he has a whole business and a whole team of 12 now doing this. So we dig into a couple things on the show. One, best practices for implementing and utilizing Asana in your business. And then two, we also talk about should your employees have a side hustle? And we talk about his journey of becoming an entrepreneur and how he went about building a side hustle in France. So excited for you to hear from literally one of the best Asana experts that I could ever have on the show. So listen in. Bastian, thank you so much for coming on the show. We finally get to connect with the time difference across different countries. We finally made it work. So thanks for coming on. My pleasure. What time is it for you? It is 9 a.m. my time. What about you? 4 p.m. for me. We found a decent hour then, right? It's okay. Do you do a lot of work with folks in the States where the time zones is an issue or no? As I'm going to explain to you in my story, my side hustle used to be in the evenings because I was working for U.S. clients, which was perfect for me. But as I grow my business, I try to get people to do that for me. I don't want to do that in the evening anymore. Yeah, the time zones, I'm sure, are tough. That's a great segue. I love a good founder story. So would love a little bit about your background, how you came into your business and how you got here. Yeah, so basically, I think it all started 10 years ago. I'm an engineer, I'm a web developer, and I had a regular job. I created my small company, a web agency, and I started to use a tool called Asana. It's a project management solution. It started a couple of years before I started using it, and I just became quite good at using that tool. And I started to help people while still having my job. And there was some kind of a community online and I started to help people and write uh, on a blog at the time. And people started to ask me for help. And one day one person said, can I actually pay you to help me? And it was actually hard because that was an American client. I spoke English at the time, but it was my first paying client in English. And I was working during the day. So we had to find the right time. So I started to get consulting clients in the evening for the U.S. because obviously Europe was enjoying their evenings and I was working for U.S.-based clients. 
one thing led to another. I became quite good at that specific tool. So that's a very niche market. And one day, Asana themselves reached out to me and said, we have this partner program. Do you want to become a partner? Do you want to create your own company and just help people use the tool all day, every day? And they reached out to another French consultant at the time and we co-founded the company and started together. Cool. I had some kind of a transition period where my employer at the time allowed me to work on this half a day per week, then one day per week. And then one day I just jumped right into the business. That's awesome. I know Asana has been around a while. How long ago was this? 2008 was when Asana was created officially. It's been around that long? Yeah. And it was actually created by Facebook co-founder, Dustin. That's the other guy. You have Mark, you have Dustin. And it was a tool within Facebook at the time. They were using that to manage their work. And they spin that off into a different company in 2008 and people started using it. Awesome. I actually had no idea about that. I finally started using Asana very consistently last year. We weren't using it all that much for my teams. And then when I transitioned out onto my own, I was like, okay, this is not scalable. If I ever want to hire somebody into my business, this is not the way that it can work. And so I finally became such a fan of it after a lot of kicking and screaming about a year and a half ago myself. So it's crazy. It's been around that long. Yeah. And in my case, I was running my own business. I was writing a book at the same time. I was organizing my wedding with Asana at the same time. I was doing everything in Asana and everything was organized perfectly, obviously, into the tool. Oh my gosh. You are definitely an early adopter. I'm so inspired by that. I have so many angles I want to take this, but I guess I'd love to start first with how you started doing your own thing and the concept of a side hustle, because it's definitely a trend that I think is going to be here to stay. I think we are entering this world where, especially with remote work, more and more professionals like developers and myself and HR and finance people are going to start to do their own thing. And so I think this request for more and more side hustles is just going to continue to skyrocket. And so how did you position it to your employer? Did you talk to them about it? I'm so curious on how that worked and how it was received. I think it's important to realize that things take time. It took me 10 years so I started to use the tool. 10 years later, I have a company with about 12 people working with me and for me, helping people. 10 years, it's very long. And within that 10 years, you have about eight years where you just do a couple of consultation here and there. You just mm -hmm. earn a few bucks, but nothing major happens. But you need to have that passion and that consistency to keep going and have that vision that one day maybe you can make something out of it. I'm not sure I could have gone faster than this because there were no market, no demand, no community, nothing. I had to take that time. And also that time allowed me to become really good and really better than most people because it took a long time. So you can't fast track anything. It just doesn't exist. There's no get rich quick scheme in that kind of world. Yeah. In my case, it wasn't a side hustle at first. It was just me enjoying sharing what I know, helping people just creating free tools because it's fun and because I know how to do it. And then slowly you start to realize that people enjoy what you do and they're willing to pay a few bucks for this. And you just start building blogs. So I created one company and then the second company I created, the people that I created it with enjoyed my resume because I had all of that stuff around my diploma. I had all of those little projects, all of those side hustles that made my profile stand out from the crowd. 
So they knew from the start I was doing something else at the same time. I explained to them that I had no intention of doing anything bigger with this. But obviously, over time, that company allowed me to get better at selling myself, doing consulting. And I used what I learned in that position to fuel my own business. And I think they helped me leave the company somehow because they helped me become better. And they gave me the freedom to get some free time to work on my business. But at the same time, having that side hustle was making me better at my job because I was really motivated. I had the freedom to do what I liked. I learned new skills in the side hustle world that I could apply to my regular job. So I think it's really beneficial. Yeah, I think it definitely can be. Now you have a team of 12, right? And I imagine that one of the qualities you look for is somebody who's entrepreneurial, who's resourceful, who takes initiative. All of these skills that we often want of employees in our business come from people who have that and do have that desire. So, you know, if you say, no, you absolutely cannot have a side hustle, you're inevitably turning away potentially some of the people that could be the best employees for you, right? Yes, that's really hard. You want someone that is an entrepreneur, but you don't want them to take your place at the same time. I think that people that have this kind of passion and they have so much energy, they have to place it towards different stuff. I think you have to help them do that and not try to constrain them too much. Yeah. I have two people that I think about who I've talked to about this. So I don't know if you know Amy Porterfield. I had her on the show. She's an author and she is a digital course creator. She has a ton of stuff. And she actually just wrote a book called Side Hustle. And she has a team of 25 people. And I asked her about like how she balances that with her team. And she actually wrote a whole side hustle policy in her business. Nice. And I thought that was brilliant. I don't know exactly everything that's in the policy or whatever, but she mentioned it can't be something that's a direct competitor to her business because she never wants her clients to feel awkward about it or her employees trying to get her clients into their business. And so that was one of them. And I just thought that was such a great way to go about it. Just write a policy about it and support when you can and also draw clear lines on what is not acceptable and what is. That example is actually usually included in the contract. You have a non-compete that usually applies in that case. That was going to be my next question to you. How are side hustles viewed in Europe? I'm so curious if it's different in Europe than it is in the US. Is it something that a lot of people are starting to do and that they're looked at in a certain way? I'm so curious. I think it's not that common. And I think it's very American. People start to notice and know about this. But in France, if you have a job, I think you tend to do the job you're paid for and not have anything on the side. And at my company, I was the only one doing this. And I think at one point, we were up to 40 or 50 people. I was the only one doing small stuff on the side. So it's not that common. Hmm. Here, it's definitely becoming a lot more common with remote work. I had a side hustle pretty much my entire career. Even when I was working in-house, I would build direct sales or network marketing companies. And then as I started to realize how I could do HR stuff on the side, I started taking on a client here or a client there. And I think it's a lot more common. But it first started, I think, here primarily in the US with network marketing and direct sales, which I feel like might be the same in Europe. Yeah, I don't know. I think when people need side hustle, that's because they have some energy and creativity that they can't use in their current role. And I think one of the things you should consider is 
offer them the opportunity to do something in their current job that could help you use that energy and creativity. And one thing you can do is to tell them that any increase in revenue the company makes, they will get part of this. That means if they want to work more, if they want to try new stuff, they will get the benefit of their work. Yeah. Because if you just get paid by the hour to do something, you have all of that energy. And if you want to earn more, you can't do anything about it. So you can maybe try to share some of that revenue and benefits with the team and allow them to think outside the box and find new ways to make money for the company. Yeah, for sure. And also, I think a tool like Asana helps a lot with transitioning from hours-based productivity tracking to hitting deliverables, milestones, actually getting work done. The more you can transition to results-based work versus hours-based work, then people might end up getting more work done in less hours. And then who cares if they have a side hustle? If they're getting the work done for you that needs to be done, then why does it really matter? Assuming they're not stealing clients and all of that stuff. Yeah, theoretically, I agree. But once you are a business owner, it's completely different. You start having people and you're wondering where they are, you're wondering what they do. And then you have some testimonials from other business owners telling you that they were stabbed in the back by employees and they were doing stuff on the side and stealing clients. In my case, it's harder than I thought. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that. I feel like you'd have a great pulse on your team and what they're up to and a great system for that. I'm so curious how you struggle with that a little bit. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, obviously, when you have a tool like Asana, it's quite easy to see what people are doing because you can check on work that has been done. You can run reporting. We try to define goals as clearly as possible, and we try to have goals that are shared by everyone. And those goals are created within Asana, and they're being connected to the work that we do. So to us, it's indeed quite easy to see if people are working, and you can really walk into a project and see what's happening. It's way easier than if you're just using emails and using Teams. It's harder that way. So with Asana, it's easier to see what's happening and who's doing what by when. But at the same time, and this is what we tell clients, Asana is not a tool you want to use to spy on people. You don't want to tell people, what have you done today? I can't find any tasks because maybe they've been in meetings all day. So there's a fine line between being able to track everything, but at the same time, resisting the fact that you shouldn't track everything that they do and just trust people. A lot of people do goal-based management. If you reach your goal, it's fine. You can stop working. It's really hard to reach that level of trust. Yeah, it can be challenging for sure. I'm shifting gears a little bit away from the side hustle conversation. A lot of times people want to hire a person because they think more bodies is going to make the work better or solve the problem. And I actually think the majority of the times when somebody wants to hire somebody, they actually just need to organize their chaos and organize their workflows and set up better processes for things. I'm curious if there's a core Asana boards or core ways that you set and use Asana with clients or that you find are common across any type of business, like certain boards to set up or workflows to optimize in Asana. Do you have any common ones that you could share with listeners? I think the best one you can start with is managing meetings. What you have on the agenda for meetings is usually not written anywhere. People walk into the meetings, they don't know exactly what's going to be talked about. When you use Asana, you can have a shared project and people can contribute to the agenda before the meeting happens. You can even solve some of those issues and talks about some of those topics even before the meeting happens using comments and asynchronous communication. So I think meeting is one of the best example. 
You can also share your screen during the meeting. You can decide things during the meeting and apply them right away. For example, this task should be done by someone else. You reassign the task. If something can be delayed, you change the due date. It's a complete shift uh, compared to what we had before, which is someone writing an email at the end of the meeting saying, this is what we've talked about. This is what each person should do. And nobody reads anything. With Asana, you have everything up to date right away. Then once you do the meetings, you can move to making sure that people have all their personal tasks organized in Asana. You don't have to collaborate on everything. There's a lot of stuff you have to do that is only relying on you. So you can list everything in Asana. And then you can move on to what we call templatized processes, workflows that you can templatize. If you are a marketing department, if you organize a webinar every month, it's almost always the same. You have the same steps. So put everything into Asana, into a template, and use that template every month. If you have a marketing campaign, 90% of the campaign is always the same. You improve that template over time and you use the same template again and again. Then you're going to start seeing a lot of benefits and then you can migrate the rest into Asana. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you say personal tasks, what I think about is almost like translating somebody's job description into Asana tasks. Obviously not everything, but if there are regular things that somebody on your team needs to do, create it as like a recurring task. Is that what you mean by that? So recurring task is a good example. Project into which you collaborate is another example. And by personal task, I mean things you have to do, but that the others do not have to know about. There's some research you might want to do, some stuff you might want to read, some document you might want to check out. All of that stuff has to be written somewhere. You need to know exactly what you have to do. And you need to have a single list, a single source of truth, and be able to organize and prioritize that list. The goal is really to have a single list. That's really important. That means you need to be able to reach email inbox zero as often as possible, because the email inbox is not a to-do list. It's a bad to-do list. Teams and Slack, this is not a to-do list. It's a chat tool. So you really need to have that single list of things you need to do. That's the only way to get clarity on things you have to do and know exactly what should be done first and then second and be able to change the order of the things you have to do. Somebody once said to me, by doing exactly what you said, putting everything into Asana, yeah. she said something to the effect of once she got used to it, she could actually leave for vacation and be like, okay, I got everything done. It felt very restrictive at first to me. Oh, I have to do everything in here. And now it feels so freeing because I can leave knowing that I'm up to date. I tell people that some of my emails become tasks. They just freak out. They see this as a lot of manual work. The reality is several times a week, my email inbox is completely empty. And most people have that amazing long list of things. And even if they tell you they know exactly what's in the list, it just takes their brain a massive amount of energy to reread that list. Their head, they have to triage everything in their head and they lose track of stuff. Inbox is almost empty. If something comes in, I can see it right away. I can treat it very quickly. I'm top of everything. If I feel overwhelmed, I put everything in Asana. I triage, I change the date. I put some stuff aside. I delegate some of that stuff and I'm back with clarity again with only like an hour of triaging work. Yep, I love that. So when you're working with a big team and a client or something, do you have each department have their own Asana boards? Do you typically recommend or do you recommend it to be like company-wide? Do you have any best practices on that at all? 
When we start working with a company, we usually try to divide the work into smaller teams and we work with each team individually. We first have a discovery call to understand how they work. Then we have some workshops to help them create the right project and workflows. Then we train everyone on the basics of Asana and they can start using the tool. If you have many teams, we might add some additional sessions to this on top of it, just to make sure that everybody's aligned, everybody uses the same best practices. We can train some champions and super champions to be able to maintain the account, but we usually try to divide and conquer. And sometimes we have processes where different teams collaborate. In a case like this, we have to decide which team is the owner. And if there's no owner, if it's a shared ownership, we might be able to create like a common team in Asana into which they collaborate. And that always depend on the process. If you organize a webinar, for example, you have like a hundred steps. If one step is about accounting or finance, you might want to place that step into the accounting board. So in Asana, this is called multi-homing. That specific step is located in two different places. It's part of the finance board as well as the webinar project. If half of the project is done by marketing, the other half by logistics, maybe they should all collaborate within the same project. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's also so overwhelming. What I love about Asana is you can do pretty much anything. But what I hate about Asana is it's a blank slate. You got to know some basic understanding of how you want it set up. Learning process. You usually have a list somewhere. You usually have notes or an Excel file or something. You can start with that list. And then you can improve the list. And when the list becomes too big, maybe it needs to be two or three projects and really move stuff around. A task can become a project if it's too big. A project can become three. A team can be split in two. All of that evolves. Even us, we change our ways of working very often. It's an evolving system. For listeners, I feel like there might be a couple types of people, right? Three types of people listening to this right now. One is like, okay, I'm going to go in and get this set up. It'll be great with my team. The other is like, oh, I'm too small. I can wait. I'm not big enough yet. Or then I think the third is like, we are way too big. There'd be no way we could implement this in our company. I'm assuming I know the answer to the smallest company. It's probably a company of one using the tool. But what's the biggest company that you've helped implement this in, like headcount wise? Like how many people? Biggest Asana client is Amazon, and they have more than 100,000 employees using Asana. So obviously, everything is split down into divisions and teams, and they don't all collaborate together. But even if a big company like this can use Asana, I mean, the smallest one can. They have Amazon, they have Facebook, they have Google, they have NASA using Asana. And it, it works because you divide the work into teams. Each one has their own board and they collaborate and can't do that with a massive Excel shared with everyone. No, definitely not. What are some either best practices or common mistakes people make when using Asana that you can help maybe guide them so they don't make the wrong mistakes? I think one of the mistakes is not realizing how your personal productivity is important. Asana, you have the My Task view. It's going to show everything assigned to you. You have the inbox. It shows the activity of things you follow. Those are really important. Those are the most important views. You need to see exactly what you are assigned on. That means people need to create tasks that have the right size, the right name, and assigned to the right person. If you don't do any of those things properly, then you have 
tasks that are too big. They're not assigned to anyone. Nobody sees them. So you really have to go into that mindset of assigning things to the right person and changing the assignee if the person suitable for that task changes. You have to make sure that you always assign to the right person. The second mistake is thinking that managers and leadership don't have to use Asana and just thinking, I'm going to give that to my team. They need to be organized and I'm going to watch from the sideline. It doesn't work because some people will use this as an excuse saying like the CEO is not using Asana. Why should I bother? And it just works if everyone is in it. You should be able to assign a task to your manager or even to the CEO. Have access to the initial Asana account. I could assign a task to the CEO. I once did. It just, it works. That should be that way. You should have leadership and management. Push the tool to everyone and explain that's the way to go and uh, be behind the teams. I got a couple of questions about that. So then as a CEO or even manager or whatever, you get a task assigned to you from one of your team members or somebody on the team and you don't know what it's for. The due date's unrealistic. I'm assuming you should go in and leave a comment and be like, hey, can you give me more information about what you need from me? Or I'm not going to be able to get this done by this deadline, leaving comment and starting to collaborate on that, right? I'm assuming there's some learning on how to appropriately do that needs to happen when you're working with teams. Exactly. The one important step you forgot is you assign it back. You don't keep that task. You're not the one that's supposed to do anything anymore. You just give it back to the person. If something is not clear enough, you ask for clarification and you give it back because that person has to see that they have something to do. It has to show up in their my task view. And this is something a lot of people overlook. They just keep things assigned to them. I don't know why. They have to give it to the person doing the work. And it has to flow. And you should be able to say, I'm sorry, I don't have time. Assign it to someone else. They shouldn't feel bad for this. They should be able to assign it to someone else and back to you. And it should be able to move easily within the organization. That's so true. Okay, so then the second question I have is, should most organizations have an Asana owner Sometimes I feel like the boards can get a little bit messed up and not all over the place. So if you're implementing it into your organization, should you assign somebody as the Asana owner to help oversee it for a while to make sure it's going well? Yes, uh, this is what we call champions. Those are the people that like the tool, they enjoy using the tool, they have the expertise, they follow the roadmap, and you can turn to them if you need help. Our job as an agency is to train those people. I'm not there to create the workflows for them. I usually don't hold the mouse myself. I don't do anything myself. I just teach people how to do stuff. They have to be autonomous. The champions need to be able to maintain the account, clean everything up, teach others how to do stuff, train new employees that come in. If you have a big company, you need one champion per country, per office, per department. You have to make sure that there's always a champion not far away from you to help. And if you have a lot of champions, you need super champion on top of them to be able to help everyone else. That's super important. Some companies have people dedicated to Asana. We've seen people like full-time working on using Asana, maintaining, cleaning, teaching, training all day long. Yeah. I would imagine Amazon probably has a couple of those. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine how they wouldn't. I just feel like so many businesses could benefit so much from making more systemized online workflows, especially in remote work, which 
I'm sure you've seen this become even more evident in remote work. I guess I'll ask you that question before I jump to my next one. You've been using Asana since 2008. You've had your own business. What's happened over the last three years? Any trends, anything that you've seen as more and more companies are doing a lot more remote and hybrid work? I'm assuming it's made the need for a tool like this even more, or maybe not. I'm curious. I'm not convinced remote work has an impact because if you look at a company, people work, when they are co-located, they still need to be able to track stuff, create documents, and collaborate virtually. We don't do anything with a pen and paper anymore. So even when you collocate it, you still need tools anyway. And it's funny to see that Asana, the company, doesn't allow remote that much. They still have offices and they work together. They co-locate it. So I think remote did not have that much of an impact. However, the conviction I have is people change jobs more often. So more often you have to onboard new people, you have to offboard new people, and you have to streamline everything. If you don't document all the processes properly, if you don't templatize, if you don't make sure that the knowledge people have is stored into templates, you're losing the knowledge and then the onboarding process is hard. I have a great anecdote I like to share is one of my clients, I asked them, what was the pivotal moment, the tipping point that made you choose a tool like Asana? And the client told me, I onboarded someone last month and I was ashamed. The process was awful. Our processes were awful. It was just too complex. You have ugly Excel spreadsheets. And I realized that we needed something to be clean. We needed clarity. We can't onboard people this way. Otherwise, they're going to leave the next month. It just can't work this way. And a lot of people realize it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Sending emails to each other doesn't work. Even just using Teams or Slack doesn't work. It's not a work management solution. It's a chat tool. It just doesn't help. Yeah, that's such a good call out. So then a business, what are like the core systems that you have? Because I do think sometimes people are like, oh, it's just another system that we're going to pay for and nobody's going to use. So like the core amount of systems and what are the core tools that you have in your business and how does Asana fit into it? So in addition to Asana, what do we have? Yeah. We have Asana, we have email. We don't send each other email ever. We just use email for the outside world. Oh my God, the best rule. We have Slack when we have to chat very quickly about something, but anything related to a task goes into Asana. We have Zoom to call each other and we have Google Drive for documents and spreadsheets and stuff like this. Really everything happens in Asana, especially at our company. We pushed the boundaries very far our entire CRM is within Asana. It's interesting to see how far you can go with a tool like this. We have a project called the Master Knowledge Base. Each task is a piece of knowledge. Everything is triaged and sorted properly and filtered properly. And each piece of content, because it's a task, we can discuss on it. And we can say, hey, guys, this changed. This is not true anymore. Be careful. Here's a new screenshot. And we can really make that knowledge base better and better. Obviously, you have tools like Notion that are really good at doing this, but Asana is quite good. We started doing that in our boards, but we didn't do it as one master knowledge board. Each project, the overview page became the knowledge hub of the project. And that's been working, but I like the idea of having a full knowledge board. That's amazing. Okay, so I think you just said four tools that you guys use and you don't email and you don't text each other, that's amazing. <laughs> we used to WhatsApp each other and we actually hired a new employee and he was like, that's super weird. 
WhatsApp is very personal. <laughs> Why do you use WhatsApp? And we said, okay, let's move to Slack. So we moved to Slack because it's way less intrusive, especially when you have employees, you have to respect their downtime. We never send each other email. That's so weird. I love that. So anyone listening to the show, if you think Asana is just another tool that's not going to get used, I think it could probably replace about five of them. It does replace some of the tools. And if it doesn't replace the other tools, you somehow connect them to each other. You have integrations, you can use tools like Zapier to connect two tools together. There are ways to make it work, but Asana has to be at the center. As we're starting to wrap up, a lot of my friends are small business owners and the first job they always want to hire is an assistant or a virtual assistant. And I'm like, no, that should not be the first job you hire. The first thing you should hire is a consultant to come in and set up a project management tool for you. Similar to you for Asana, I feel like there's going to be people who are doing AI, right? So AI implementers and all of that stuff. Like those are the two things I think business owners should invest their money in first before running out and hiring an assistant. I would love for you to share a little bit about how listeners could work with your team. I know you have a blog, you have courses, you have so many resources. Where is a good place for listeners to go to learn more about the services your business offers and what it might be like to work with you? You can find us on uh, LinkedIn, on YouTube. You can find us on the Asana forum. I'm actually the biggest contributor on the forum. So if you have any problem, I can help you there. To go back on what you said, I think it's amazing that people realize that assistants are important. And I think that's a new thing because for a long time, when you said you had an assistant, it looks like the madman guy that has an assistant doing stuff for him. Totally. It's becoming more mainstream and I think it's amazing. But delegating is really hard. It's super, super hard. Delegating properly. I think what's important is to do the work yourself first a couple of times and then delegate to someone. And even then you have to give a clear instruction and expectations in a very clear way. And Asana really helps with this because each task is independent and you can assign one task to someone. And we in our business have at least two people doing assistant work. It's amazing. But the funny thing is you hire someone. So we just hired a senior consultant and we tell him you have assistant to help you. And the person is completely lost. Nobody's used to having assistant and they don't know how to use them. They don't know what to delegate. So it's really hard. And I wish people would learn how to delegate because that's really key to growing your business and just being less overwhelmed. For sure. And when I say not to hire an assistant, and I thank you for bringing this up because I do feel like it might sound so curt when I say that, I actually don't mean it because an assistant is not helpful. I mean it because you are not in a position to be able to maximize their usage. I think assistants run businesses, yes. but unless you know how to properly set them up for success, you're not going to get the benefit. And then you're just going to complain that they're not doing anything and it's your fault in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think an assistant was actually our first hire. It changes everything. You probably set them up to be very successful and they're probably doing a lot of great impactful work in your business because of what you've set up for them. They're doing a ton of stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. I'm so grateful you came on the show and that we were able to meet and connect. And I know I probably will have a ton of clients to send your way to try to get them using some of the tools. If you do need Asana, just remember one thing. As a partner, we also sell the licenses. And if you get the licenses from us, we can help you with the support and content and office hours. So make sure to contact me before buying anything. 
So I can help you decide what's the best plan for you between premium business and enterprise and see if you just need help. But we can just work together on licenses. You don't have to buy any consulting in addition. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And we'll put everything in the show notes so people can definitely click there. It was so great to chat with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll chat with you again soon. (laughs) Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. I thought it was great. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.